Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor. I'm so grateful to have you here and I'm grateful to see the sun out a little bit. And I think that all of us are hoping to be outside more. I'll tell you where we'd like to be is in California, and that is exactly where our guest is right now. Pastor Mike Fabares is with us from South Orange County in California. Thank you for being with us. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Jill. You are the pastor of a, I'm thinking, a very large church called Compass Bible Church in South Orange County. And am I right that you founded that church? You were the first pastor there? That's right, yeah. Several years ago, about 14 or 15 years ago, we got started, and um, God has been very gracious to us in allowing us to uh, reach our community and see a lot of folks join us here and following Christ in uh, crazy California. <laughs> well, crazy California can certainly use people leading them to Christ, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, being that I was born there and I'm one of them, I can make mm-hmm. that statement. We're all in need of Christ, that's for sure. Pastor Mike, Howard and I were listening to a wonderful sermon that you gave during this time, which has been one of the beauties, I think, of staying indoors on Sunday. It doesn't make up for the fellowship we're missing by any matter of means, but I've been blessed to hear other people preach as well. And your sermon was about life, and I thought, It is so powerful that you are willing to step up in a Protestant church and really talk about this issue. Would you share a little bit about where you get that courage and and why you are so passionately pro Mm. the life of a child? Yes, well, I, I think obviously our whole direction in life ought to be given to us from God's Word. And it is hard to read God's Word without understanding the sanctity of human life, that this is a gift from God, that every human being is made in the image of God, and that if we do not define life as worthy of defending and protecting from the point of conception, then we're going to have to come up with some arbitrary point after conception based on who knows what, something subjective, some kind of performance, something that we think is acceptable or worthy of life, and that's just not our position. We, we recognize the Scripture maintains the value and sanctity of life, and that's certainly the objective reason that I am so passionate about this, and I think we need to not cower in front of a culture that wants to tell us we're crazy or has different values. But it became very personal to me about 18 years ago when my third child was diagnosed prenatally with what at that time was understood to be a... Um, terminal illness. They, they didn't think my daughter would make it to the point of her birth. So we had our my wife's doctor and the geneticist and uh, just a team of people there in the secular medical community telling us, you need to abort this child. You need to abort this child. This is the good thing to do, the kind thing to do, the right thing to do. You don't want to bring a child into the world that's imperfect or is going to struggle or be suffering. And so, you know, it became very personal at that point. And, and not only that, we let our church in on the fact that we had a uh, really difficult prenatal diagnosis. And uh, so now the church knew we were facing this struggle with uh, a child that is imperfect. They, they, at first of all, had said to us, she's got something called anencephaly, which is uh, when the brain does not develop. 
And so they were confident that this baby would not make it to a live birth. Well, they misdiagnosed her, actually, and uh, she ended up having hydrocephalus, which is the swelling of the ventricles inside the brain because of the herniation of the spinal cord, which is commonly known as spina bifida, and uh, very common for the, the ventricles in the brain to swell. And on a ultrasound, certainly back then, almost 20 years ago, it, it, they couldn't tell the difference at that point, at least the tech that was doing the ultrasound on our baby. So we finally went to a doctor that was willing to uh, work to save the life of our child. And that change in the diagnosis, of course, uh, we realized that not only did she have an opportunity to not only be born live, but she could have an opportunity to live and uh, live a fulfilling, fruitful life. Uh, not that that mattered. If, if my daughter was going to die in the womb, right, I, I wanted to, it to be in the protective space of my wife and her mother and not uh, be the intrusive stainless steel instruments of an abortionist. So uh, we were committed to this life no matter what. And when people would say to us, you know, well-meaning people, you know, our non-Christian neighbors, you know, you ought to, you ought to end this child's life. Uh, I often said snarkily and sarcastically, well, we're going to give her a try for a few months and see what we think. And, you know, if at six months we don't really care for her, we'll put her down then. Well, of course, they're aghast with that kind of logic. And I ask them, what's the difference? What is the difference? A few months of familiarity, right? And I said, this is absurd. Of course, we're not going to abort our child. So this became something that was interwoven into our own personal story as a pastor and a pastor's family. And by God's grace, my daughter had several problems in surgeries, of course, but she is about to graduate from high school and driving a car. Of course, she walks with leg braces and has had several surgeries and, you know, lots of challenges. But, uh, you know, you sit with her at the dinner table and you're going to be uh, very blessed to see God's grace in her life and her smiling face. And uh, life would not be the same for us in the Fabares family without Stephanie Fabares around. And uh, we're grateful that that is just a trophy of God's grace and certainly our commitment to, which should be anyone's commitment to, the sanctity of human life. I think that's a powerful statement that you're making, that I'd rather my child die in the protected womb of her mother than have some doctor pull parts of her out. I'm just so blessed by the difference in those pictures. One of the things that is also a gift is that you're talking about not a perfect child in terms of bodily functions or, or being able to walk without uh, the braces, but a perfect child in what God placed in her heart and a perfect child in her ministry, we have to stop saying we will only accept a child that has no deficiencies, no inabilities, no problems that we don't think we can fix or live with. But that is a mentality right now. Uh, let me know right, that my course. baby's perfect and then um, I'm all ready to go. Right. Well, I've had two other children, and I can tell you they didn't have any physical malformations, but they're far from perfect. So, you know, <laughs> if perfection is the is the standard, uh, we ought to just give it up now. We I mean, give it we up. Gotta look, right, we've got to look in the mirror and recognize. I, I don't see anyone who makes that argument really thinking, well, I'm looking in the mirror at someone that's perfect and has everything, you know, going for them. I mean, at what point do we say this life is worthy of living? And, you know, uh, it wasn't foreign to uh, Nazi Germany at one point to talk about life that's not worthy of life. And they made that statement of human beings. Of course, they thought the Jewish people were, were living, but they're not worthy of life. And that's really where we're at in terms of the abortionist philosophy, that there's life 
But really, it's not worthy of life unless you choose to want that life. I mean, there's plenty of children in the 50 million plus babies that have been aborted since Roe v. Wade that have bodies that are working just fine. But they're willing to, for a number of conveniences, quote unquote, to have those babies trashed. That is 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 horrific, and it should be horrific. And I'm hoping that maybe through technology, even people that are refusing to look at this might start to say, wow, we really have a human being here. For all these people that want all science to govern it, right? There's nothing more scientific than a preborn child being 100% human being. Watch the shell game they play, right? The shell game they play is, well, it may be genetically a human being. And there's nothing I can say that's not human about this baby. But, you know, it's really not a person yet. And that distinction between personhood and humanity, right? I'm just saying, well, what kind of artificial definition is that? When do you think someone is a person? Well, then we're playing the Nazi Germany game, which is, hey, I'll decide when life is worthy of life based on what I think a person is. And that is insane, right? This is the insanity of our day, where you have over 40% of the conceptions in Manhattan being sucked down the abortionist sink. This is insane, right? And I don't want to get worked up here, but I haven't preached for a while in a pulpit, so you know, give me a break, Jill. I got I to gotta preach every now and then. I mean, this is crazy what we're doing. And I'm hoping that maybe, just maybe, even in the common grace of God, more people, they may not be Christians, they may not be religious, they may not even believe in God, but they'll say, wait a minute, what are we doing? I would no sooner go to a playground and look at elementary school kids and say, well, that one's in a wheelchair, and this one seems to have problems, and this one right here, I don't like the way they look. I'm just going to kill those children. We wouldn't as soon do that. And I would hope that even people that are not Christians, atheists, agnostics, would say, you know, I'm not going to do that with preborn children either. Why would I decide I don't want to have this child? You don't have that right. There's something about the sanctity of life that has been recognized. Think about it. Jill, you know that it's, and this is not a new discussion, right? Not only can you look back at Exodus chapter 21, but you can look in Hammurabi's code, right? The Babylonians, right? This is 1,750 years before Christ. They made rules in Babylon that said you cannot intentionally induce a miscarriage. There were laws against that. Tiglath-Pileser, he comes up in the biblical account in the Old Testament. He's the Persian king. And the Persian king, he had a law code. The Persian law code was that you could not abort a child. There were penalties for that. You've heard of the Hippocratic Oath, right? Even the Greeks, uh, the, the commitment of those doctors were back. I mean, this is back in ancient Greco-Roman days. I will not give to a woman an abortive remedy quote, unquote. Those were the rules. And, and when it comes to that, you've got to realize, how did they get all that? They didn't go to Sunday school. They weren't a bunch of fundamentalists picketing at the Washington, D.C., because they're just using common sense. Human life is worth protecting. You can be a Babylonian, a Persian, or a Greek from antiquity and understand it. And I'm hoping today a lot more people, because they're listening to your program, will start to understand that. Yeah. I want to take another look at a, a way that we find ourselves recognizing the death of a child. But before I scoot that way, I want to talk about the fact that I think we have become a group of people in our nation that really worships earth and really says, we have to take control of the earth. We have to protect it from too many people. And so therefore, this is, you know, COVID-19 is a great opportunity for us to see a number of people die that this earth can't balance. They, they, we can't handle it. Well, absolutely. We live in a crazy, crazy day when people it's what Romans chapter 1 said, right? They've rejected the glory and greatness of God 
and they're worshiping and serving the created things, the world, the creature. If you really study the environmentalists of our day, right, we have an environmentalist movement that would just as soon, as a matter of fact, they've, I've, I've read it, and I wish I had the quote in front of me right now, that they hope that there's a good pandemic to come and weed out the earth a little bit so that we can have more room for antelope and, and jackrabbits, right? Uh, and if you don't have a biblical worldview, which is ingrained in people's conscience, but they work hard to suppress it, you've got to realize you're going to come to these kinds of crazy thoughts that I would rather have cockroaches right, having free range on the earth. But you know what? Let's just kill a bunch of people with a good pandemic so that we, we can have earth kind of restored to its natural order. Listen, the earth was made for human beings to thrive. Of course, we're to be good stewards of this earth, right? But we're to thrive and utilize this for human flourishing. And that, that's not what the radical environmentalists are worried about. Well, you are listening to an incredible pastor from California, and his name is Pastor Mike Fabares. You are in for another treat on the other half of this program. Thank you for joining us today at Choose Life Radio. We will be right back. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting chooseliferadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So visit today, chooseliferadio.com. This is Jill Taylor. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. We are in the midst of a very good discussion with Pastor Mike Fabares, and he is sharing incredibly good information on why, as Christians, we have got to be solid on the gift of life that God gives us. Pastor, you're no stranger to radio. You're excellent with what you're doing with us today. Can you share how Focal Point has been an effective tool for you in spreading the word? What kind of feedback do you get? Yeah, well, you know, we don't always get great feedback. We get a lot of good (laughs) feedback, but I really have, I guess, just doing this in Southern California, uh, recognize that I can't preach just things that the culture is going to like. I've got to preach the Word of God. Of course, I have to apply it to our generation, but I really can't be too overly concerned about who is listening outside the window. And when someone came to me years ago and said, well, can we put this on the local radio station? And I said, well, sure, I guess. And so we started on one station, and now we're on, I don't know, 800 stations. I recognize that now there are people kind of outside in their cars that would never even go to church listening on XM satellite radio or the local stations across the country. Sometimes it's provocative to them, and I'm hoping that I can do more than just repeat biblical platitudes and these statements that we have at our Christian vocabulary. It just really, I want to define what we mean by all these things, and I want to get right to the point. And so I think some of that forthright discussion has been good to start an exchange. I mean, my assistant just dropped a couple letters on my desk here of listeners that are writing, and they're not always happy, but it, it gives us a chance to interact with people to say, you got to think about what you're doing. When it comes to abortion, certainly, our culture needs to wake up. And that sermon on abortion and, and the problem that you heard, I, I just know it hit a chord with a lot of people 
that maybe are rethinking this. And for that, I'm so grateful. That's very powerful. And again, I think in our Protestant churches, we have got to have pastors who have the courage to say, first of all, yes, there might be someone in your congregation, but by not talking about it, you don't heal them. They still have this grief and this guilt, and they still know the exact day of that abortion, and they still know how old that child would be. So in compassion for them, we talk about this is one of the many things that Satan tempts us with. And then immediately he turns around and he blames us for it. So this right. you've, you've got women who are just sure that they believe that's their only choice. And then they turn around and they say, what did I do? I am so guilty. I can never be forgiven. And, of course, that's not who our God is either. Right. And I think that's very helpful because there are people listening to my voice right now women that have had an abortion, and you need to not be stuck in a mindset that God is not a God that can restore and rebuild and have you look forward with hope. Think about it. I mean, King David was a murderer. To cover up his own adultery, he was willing to kill a man. And when he was confronted by Nathan, who wasn't going to pull any punches, the prophet, he said, okay, I I blew it. And he confessed his sin. And, And Psalms like Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 These are psalms that we need to read, we need to accept the truth of them, and then we need to not insult God by believing what he says. And what he says is, we can be forgiven. And how blessed, think of that word, that's a word in Hebrew, Asher, the Hebrew word is uh, is the word happy. One of the 12 tribes of Israel will call it Asher, maybe he was the happy baby, but (laughs) Asher is the word that translates blessed. Right? How blessed, how happy is the persons whose sins are forgiven, who, who God does not hold his sin against him? Well, how do you get that? Well, the New Testament couldn't be clear. If you confess your sins, you agree with God about it. No excuses, no rationalization, you know, no fluff. Just tell God, yes, I, I did it. I'm wrong. Forgive me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful every time. He is righteous. He said he would do it to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, okay? Now you can look at that in your past and say it's covered by the blood of Christ. We're going to move forward, and we're going to be a godly example of what is good, and we're going to help other people that are tempted with the same things that I was tempted over and fell into. You can be used by God, even if you've had an abortion, to be not only in completely in the center of the love and forgiveness of God, but you can be an agent and a tool to help other people. I will just mention that there are many pregnancy centers, organizations that are there to help in communities across the United States, and I would so suggest you pop in the door sometime, find out what they're doing, find out what their needs are. A lot of times they can use diapers and formula and and baby clothes because they're there to say, if you can give life, we will support you. We will be there for you. The next two years, we'll make sure you're on your feet. And again, remind you that Jesus Christ died for you and that child that you're carrying. And so you have a Savior who will do miracles to help you. And, you know, that's pretty important. So if you can, look for a center and get involved, just like Pastor Mike is. He's involved. He is really involved. And this is so powerful to hear you speak. 
Pastor Mike, I brought up something in our conversation. I, I believe that many, many of those babies are indeed targeted. And your child, your daughter was targeted by doctors who said this could be disaster, this shouldn't happen, and neighbors who agreed, etc. But there were biblical people who were targeted. And you think of Moses and mm-hmm. the the effort to try and protect his life. And then Jesus with people coming to value his birth and then people saying, where is he and when can we kill him? That's not in the yeah. womb, that's after birth, but it's still the child. Right. And, and think about it. That's the whole mantra of this movement, right? Choice, choice, choice. And when they have a chance, especially when there's some kind of risk to the baby, they are all over that. I mean, we got pressure from so many people to have our child's life end. And, and I want to take my now 17-year-old daughter to all these people and just say, I want you to have lunch with her just so you know who you wanted to destroy. You know what the stats are? On that? That's 3% of those that get abortion is because they fear some kind of risk to the baby, right? They would call it a fetal health risk. That's 3%. So for, for all the choice that is bandied about, you know what the choices are. 26% is, I just want to postpone childbearing. 21% is, well, I, it would be a financial hardship. 14% is, well, I'm having a relationship problem with the, the baby's father. 12% say, well, I'm just too young. 11% say, well, it's going to disrupt my job or my education. 8% say, well, it's just, I don't even want more children. If you think about it, right, over 90% of the people that are having abortions, when they're surveyed, it has nothing to do with the mother's health. It has nothing to do with the baby's health. It has to do with the choices they're making that are incredibly selfish. And again, I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound if you've had an abortion for one of those reasons. I'm just saying, let's stop the insanity in our society. Throw yourself on God's mercy. He's a forgiving God. Accept his forgiveness. And now let us get out there and recognize we've got a problem in our society and we need to solve it. And education is really extremely important. So I, I do, again, ask you to look in your Bible and find those passages that Pastor Mike mentioned and many others that are talking about the Psalms, just how beautifully we've been formed, how God knows everything about us, how he knew before we were even a thought in our parents' <laughs> minds or actions. Absolutely. Um, Let me quote that, can I? Psalm 139 is the passage you're quoting, and it's so good. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 and I would remind you of so many other passages. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart for this task. I think of John the Baptist in the womb. It talks about his life and what God had in store for him and all the things that Zechariah was told and Elizabeth was told to train him in. And we're talking about him like he's a human being. Well, of course he is. Matter of fact, he was a unique individual. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb as a human being. Wow. I mean, these are amazing things. Those are just the passages we should we revisit them often, not to mention Deuteronomy 19, verse 10, that reminds us that when there's shedding of innocent blood in the land, there's a problem. There's guilt on the land, and that bloodshed is, is serious to God. And there's bloodshed right now, innocent blood being shed in our land, and we need to recognize that's a problem. That ought to scare us. We ought to have the fear of God and recognize, wow, we don't want to continue this. Pastor Mike, how would you encourage people as we close this program? How would you encourage them to pray, to be involved, to be willing to adopt a child that someone says, yeah. I can't I can't be a parent, but I, I'm willing to give birth? Right. I, if someone dropped off a six-month-old on your front doorstep, I don't think you'd slam the door or take the child out and put it for the trash to pick up. You'd be like, that's a life. I need to do whatever I can. If I can't deal with that life, I need to find someone that can. 
And so you need to realize the sanctity of that life and say, let's treat this unborn child as though this were a born child. How would I react? And I think all of that can change everything. And when you know that we have the ability in our culture to vote and to know and ask those politicians, what is your view on abortion? We need to be ready to help people in the practicals right here, right now. Who do you know that has an unplanned pregnancy that you can step in and help, right? We need to be willing to adopt. We need to have a a very positive view of helping those that cannot help themselves. I mean, that's the real practice of Christian love. And I think we need to be more loving people by, number one, telling the truth. If you love someone, they got mustard on their face. You're going to say, oh, you got something right there. That's the loving. I know you don't love me if I can go through the whole conversation with mustard on my face and you don't fix it. So we tell the truth for someone who's going to go down to the abortion clinic and we just, well, I don't want to offend them. Right. We, We have to risk offense by telling the truth. Right. Oh, powerful, powerful. And if you have someone who says to you, please go with me to the abortion clinic, and you don't believe that that's the right thing, be strong enough to say, no, I won't do that because you are carrying a life, but I will help you if you have that child. It's an important statement because sometimes we're silent when we are the person they're waiting to hear say, no, don't go through that abortion. How can we pray for you and your church real quickly? Mm. Yeah, well, just keep praying that we can preach the word faithfully. We want to do that. And, of course, in the middle of all that we're going through now, we just want to get back together as soon as we can and have our church functioning. We want to to come back stronger than when we went into this shutdown. But uh, pray for us. Pray for us here in California. It is a hard place to do ministry, and just pray that we'll do it well and faithfully. We will pray that way. And I thank you so much for making time to be with us today. This has been a great time with Pastor Mike, and we are going to be praying for him over the next few weeks, please. During this COVID-19 time, we want to be lifting up the pastors who are really wanting to get back with their congregations. Thank you for joining us today at Choose Life Radio. Please go on to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and take a look at our podcasts, and certainly be a part of this ministry. We'd love to hear your story. We'd love to have you join us, and we'd certainly love to have your support financially. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week right here at Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.